Welcome to the Digital Aircraft Secrets Podcast. I'm Mark Schultz, your host. Aviation Professionals for Digital Aircraft Operations is a forum created to help our industry to progress forward into the full implementation of digital transformation and digital systems. Thank you for listening. Hey everybody, it's Mark Schultz here and we are live with another LinkedIn Live focused on recovery and aviation. Thanks for joining us. Hey, I'm here today with my co-host, uh, Larry Little and Larry is retired Boeing leader in digital transformation. Welcome, Larry, glad to have you with me today. Hey Mark, good to be with you again uh, today on our continuing discussions on recovery and aviation, really excited. Yeah, absolutely. You know, with all the social distancing and the touchless activity and, you know, digital access, uh, you know, we have narrow margins and we're all looking for efficiencies out there today. And what we what we what we're looking for is a new normal, you know, and and in this live discussion, um, I wanted to remind you that we're going to have a live interview today with uh, with a guest, which I'll introduce in a minute. And you're going to have an opportunity to be able to um, to comment and to be able to ask questions. And we'll have a, a live discussion with um, our guests today on the program. And we're really going to be focusing on um, what's happening now and what do I do and what are the factors for success. And so um, I wanted to invite you, if you would, to help us out and to share this broadcast so we can get a maximum amount of uh, exposure from people out there today. And remember, it's live. And so you will have the opportunity. Just put uh, comments. Um, down into the live broadcast, and we will see them here on the broadcast and have an opportunity to be able to discuss your questions. But the real main focus here today is that we are enthusiastic about recovery in aviation, and we want to present a positive view, and my business will not be a casualty. You, you know, Mark, uh, it's, it's, it, the things, things are so dynamic that every day we read so much good news and, and so much bad news. But I think you know, every day I see more more positive news, people looking forward about how we're gonna recover from, from where we've been over the past uh, 90 days. Yep, absolutely, Larry, thanks. And uh, here with our special edition, the midweek edition of Recovery in Aviation, I'm pleased to introduce Sander Debris, and he is the founder of Exxon, and he's based in the Netherlands. Welcome, Sander. Hi, Mark, hi, Larry. Um, well, pl pleasure to be here. And I think it's a really cool thing that uh, what you guys are doing. Um, I've been keeping track on some of your past broadcasts as well, and yeah, I was excited that you that you asked me to join this one. Fantastic! I'm glad you could join us. Hey, can we just kick this off by telling us is that you know what's your position and what is Exxon doing in aviation today? Yeah, sure. So, um, well, as you announced, I'm, I'm the founder of Exxon Aviation Solutions, and um, I would say the. The, I'm in the fortunate position to be involved in a lot of cool projects in, in our company. Um, Exxon itself is basically working on uh, various different digital projects in airline maintenance and engineering. Um, personally, I'm uh, involved a lot in some of our development activities, some of our R&D, uh, some of our more operational things as well. Um, and, and yeah, and, and, and looking at, at what we do, uh, ranging from, from, from data management, data analytics, uh, automation, um, which I guess we will cover a bit on today as well. Um, and yeah, it's, it's interesting times. 
Yeah, it really is. And so, hey, if I could just capture for a second what you just said, then would I be able to say that XN is really digital solutions for maintenance engineering in the aviation industry? Would that be an accurate capture of what you do? Yeah, that, that, that's an accurate capture. Um, we in, Internally, we always say that we're kind of active in four different verticals uh, within, that, uh, within that space of maintenance and engineering. Um, one of them being aircraft data, uh, the other one being analytics, uh, automation and integration being the third one, and, and then generic support towards airlines in, in, this, digital, uh, in this digital domain. Yeah, that's great. Um, I, I appreciate your guys' expertise in the industry, and that's why we, we, we wanted to have you, uh, you know, on board. So um, before we go into our discussion here, now I wanted to remind our viewers here today that uh, we would really appreciate it if you would share this broadcast so that we can get as many people on board as possible. And remember, um, we are monitoring questions here live. And so if you enter comments into the box below, you will have the opportunity to be able to uh, interact with us um, directly. So let's uh, let's kick off this discussion and let's talk a little bit about um, you know current events. Uh, you know, um, one of the things that we've seen is we've seen a little bit of an uptick. I saw in the news yesterday there was a little bit of an uptick in uh, traffic um, in uh, Europe, and uh, so um, I was wondering, uh, Sander, if you could kind of give us a feeling on what's happening um, in in your region right now. Are you seeing any change in uh, current events and uptick in traffic in your region at all? Oh yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, uh, personally, I, I live not that far away from the Amsterdam airport, and and I can literally see the change on a day-to-day -day basis. And and even today, there was noticeably more air traffic than there has been in uh, in these last several weeks. Um, I, I do think that uh, still the majority of it is uh, is cargo re related, um, where uh, you even have your uh, typical passenger aircrafts that are being repurposed right now for, for cargo flights. Um, but there's definitely an increase in traffic. Um, I think I a picture the other day with some of the departure and arrival signs on uh, on, on some of the airports um, where where the flights announced on there uh, had, had doubled from, from a couple of weeks back. Um, yeah, I'm still not what you are used to, um, but uh, slight increases are uh, are a positive sign. Yeah, that's great news. Hey, Larry, you're um, Larry, you're based in Seattle area. What are you seeing happening uh, in the U.S. and Seattle right now? Well, you know, Mark, uh, every day, like I said, it's a really dynamic situation, and every day I think we're seeing more and more efforts by airlines to to kind of market how they're keeping the airplane clean, and and more and more um, airlines starting to fly again, mainly domestically. You know, but uh, and I think the international flights that we've talked about are a ways off. But certainly, we're seeing uh, uh, airlines trying to find a way to fly dom domestically uh, right now. Yeah. So, um, you know, that it's really good news because I, I know that uh, we're all looking forward to that place and time when you know more airplanes start moving. And there's different factors that are really feeding into that. And if you take a look at one of the other things to consider. Um, is that, uh, you know, everybody's worried about operating cash and they're worried about um, the ability for the airlines to be able to make it through this hard time. And I noticed another, you know, story in the news here yesterday that uh, different airlines, Qantas, for example, one of them, um, you know, got some additional uh, funding. But I've been seeing this really all over the place. I mean, I've been seeing, um, you know, uh, I've been seeing funding going to different airlines and operators from different sources. I mean, what have you guys seen out there today? Well, it's, it's oh, really yeah. interesting I mean, to watch, uh, you know, the 
governments step in and really try to to help airlines across across the you know across the globe, and and I think that's really what it's going to take. I think it's always fascinating to me the amount of money that airlines burn on a daily basis is it's, it's just staggering. It, it's just staggering, and uh, to see governments step in and help, uh, you know, whether the U.S. or Middle East or or Europe, and uh, it's been uh, it's great to see that that happening. You know, Sander, we've been we've been seeing a lot of news about um, about operators in in Europe that you know are struggling, and we've seen a few of them actually go out of business. But have you seen any positive influence on some of the operators there, like with the infusion of cash or funding or aid or things like that? Uh, oh yeah, I mean, right now there are vast amounts of money being uh, being made available by uh, by local governments to uh, to their national flag carriers, um, which I guess from a job perspective and from airlines perspective is a good thing um but what we do see here as well is that um there are some uh, some 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 counter movements to that you see some large airlines that that do not receive that state support um going to uh, potentially going to court to uh, uh, over let's say illegal state support uh, of uh, of some airlines um so that might still pose an interesting dimension to that discussion uh, but right now in the intermediates you see Vast amounts of money from governments pouring into uh, into airlines, just to make sure that um, once things are picking up again, airlines are able to uh, to, to quickly uh, uh, get back to uh, certain operational levels. Yeah, I definitely think we're going to see consolidation, and we're looking at um, you know some operators you know going out of business. But the good news is is that we're seeing a lot of uh, countries and governments and and uh, private funding sources jumping in to make sure that these airlines can continue to operate you know, in this uh, environment. Hey, one of the other things that I've seen is um, I've seen actually some operators, you know, they're uh, some of the short haul operators coming out with new routes. And I just saw this, uh, this uh, news story last night, um, uh, Wizz Air, they've added five new routes to Abu Dhabi. And it actually turns out that I had uh, two conversations with people in the UAE this morning um, before this broadcast. And uh, they were actually presenting an encouraging, you know, view of things there. Um, that uh, there was actually some movement, there was some cargo movement and, and some additional movement that was happening in the UAE. The, the UAE. Um, have, have either of you seen any, any uh, positive activity of growth in any airlines at all at this point? You know, from my standpoint, uh, I, I just, just this morning, Qatar uh, announced that they're going to be flying, uh, uh, they're going to be flying a lot more international routes beginning in, in June, which is, you know, uh, right around the corner here. Uh, and, and I think it was like 21 additional flights to U.S., to Europe, to and to Asia. Uh, so really, do, you know, looking to governments to be able to open it up so the airlines can can start flying again. Yeah, I yeah. Um, I think I read that Qatar was opening up 80 new flights a day or something like that, but it was a big number. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Hey, um, uh, next thing is um, uh, I wanted to just point out that that uh, we've seen some efforts by the airlines to really put uh, uh, efforts into making the fly in public be comfortable with being uh, going back into the airplanes and flying on the airplanes. And um, we've seen some U.S. carriers do this. But just uh, last night, I saw this story come out, which said that uh, Air Canada launched a new program, their clean care program to reassure you know travelers. And I I'm sure that both of you have seen efforts being made by the airlines to um, to increase the, the confidence of the flying public. Uh, Sander, have you seen things in Europe that are going on that uh, is trying to help the flying public have more confidence in their ability to be able to go back onto an airplane again? 
Oh yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, almost daily in the news here, you you see either news articles or short movie clips um, showing on how airlines are either uh, maintaining and storing their aircraft right now, or how um, air conditioning systems in the aircraft work. Uh, so just to reassure the public on um, the low risk that actually exists of uh, air within aircrafts being contaminated and, and how the spread of, of, of germs and bacteria is actually uh, uh, reduced to, to a low level within, within aircraft. So you kind of see a broader, uh, uh, let's say, a program of, of informing the general public on, uh, on, on safety and, and how, uh, how well uh, aircraft or air conditioning systems on aircraft are actually, are actually kept. Yeah, absolutely. Larry, I think you mentioned to me some things recently, too, that you saw with other carriers that are that are focused on that as well. What have you seen, Larry? There you go. Okay. So, um, yeah, thanks. Thanks, Susan. Uh, it's really that suitcase pack to suitcase unpacked experience. It's not just the air the airplane it's that whole experience and uh you know just yesterday the the director of the of heathrow you know had, was doing an interview and he talked about uh you know we go through a lot of security at the airport and the security is uh you know mainly for safety uh we could be going through the same thing for health that you would go through a health screening at the airport you know to really mitigate uh some of the social distancing in the terminal and and uh and within the airplane and to make passengers feel more comfortable. Yeah. So we're we're definitely seeing a lot of changes in the industry at this point in time and you know what I'm finding by talking to people all over the world is it's definitely affecting our market, all right? And so, you know, I wanted to kind of turn this discussion now, you know, toward Sonder back toward you toward Exxon is is it, you know, how is the reshaping of this market really affecting your business? I mean, what does it really mean to your company and to your customers? How is it impacting you guys right now? Yeah, um, well, in, 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 in the current situation, uh, where it has impacted us mostly is that uh, basically from one day to the next, we went into a complete virtual mode of cooperation with our clients. Um, prior, prior to that, we used to uh, do a lot of uh, on-site work with, with our airlines, really physically being with our counterparts and our partners within, within the airline itself. Uh, obviously, due to uh, due to uh, travel restrictions and, and health safety measures, uh, that is not possible right now. Uh, however, we do like to continue with uh, with our activities with our clients, with our airline partners. Um, so we went into a full virtual mode of uh, of cooperation, which um, I mean, of course, we all needed to get used to that a little bit in the beginning, but things are running quite smoothly right now. Um, so I'm happy to see that. So yeah, so it's, I guess it's the virtual way of working. And um, I mean, if, if I look at it from a longer term perspective and the way how it will impact uh, impact our business, project staff will, uh, will depend on, uh, on on the market dynamics itself. Yeah, you know, so- It's gonna be interesting to see if some of the processes and tools that we're using today, like Zoom or this video stream, will get, you know, will work their way into, into maintenance. And this will be the way that people, you know, we're learning how to work virtually from home. And, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how that translates into getting airplanes back in service and into doing maintenance. I, I, we, we definitely are seeing a, a, a faster movement forward and acceptance of digital by people, you know, as a result of this. I mean, we've been forced to, to work digital and work more virtually. And so the end result is that it's really increasing the acceptance by people. I would agree with both of you right now. Yep. 
Hey, um, uh, guys, I, want, I wanted to move to the next question. And sort of the, the next idea I had was, you know, Sandra, how is that really affecting the products and services that you offer to your customers? So you're, you're having to change the way you work. All right. But now how is that affecting the types of products and services you offer to your customers? Yeah, um, that, that that varies a bit uh, dependent on uh, on, on uh, I would say the type of service or the type of product that that the airline uses with us. Um, if I look at some of our activities in the aircraft data management space, um, we actually see a acceleration for us as a, as a company, um, mainly resulting from uh, from a lot of these aircraft data management initiatives, uh, either having a uh, a cost driver benefit uh, or a regulatory benefit. Um, so the airlines will need to do uh, these kind of activities. Um, if I look at the, uh, I would say the, the, the more uh, the more advanced activities, uh, looking at uh, robotic process automation, for instance, um, you see a, a, an increase in interest, definitely, um, but still a, a kind of general uh, question existing on on how this could benefit uh, airlines and particularly maintenance and engineering divisions. Uh, once they uh, get the grips with this uh, with this new reality, um, so there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of guiding, a lot of explaining happening from our side right now uh, towards uh, senior executives within uh, within airline maintenance engineering on how a variety of digital initiatives could actually fit into uh, into a long term strategy, uh, even under these uh, under these new circumstances. Are, are you finding more acceptance, you know, from people at this point? I mean, is it is the acceptance of that increasing? Um, oh, yes, to a certain extent, um, definitely. Um, acceptance increasing in, in that sense that um, the, the cost benefit uh, is becoming a more, uh, a more dominant discussion. Um, so, so the basic calculation of if I bring in this, this, particular, uh, this particular software tool or this particular technology, what will that do to my, uh, to my bottom line, uh, either in terms of efficiency, and from that resulting cost savings, or in terms of me being able, as a uh, uh, as an engineering company uh, or as an airline engineering division, being able to to stick to my uh, to my uh, processes that I need to uh, that I need to manage. Um, on the other hand, it's um, there's also a a reluctance um, to to invest right now from airlines, right? So mm. it's difficult yeah. to, uh, to get approval to uh, to reel in new technology, to reel in new software, unless there's a really clear business case underlying the, the justification of that of that spend. Hey, Sander, you mentioned something uh, about automation. I think you know anything we can automate really addresses two things. It addresses mistakes in compliance, and it addresses maybe hands-on labor or touch labor. What are some things that you see around uh, maybe automation in the maintenance space that could make a difference? Um, well, several different areas. Um, interestingly, uh, we see, uh, and this was already post uh, post post COVID nineteen. Um, we see, uh, we already noticed RPA being adopted faster within uh, what we would call back office, uh, uh, back office processes. Um, think about your management of maintenance programs, your technical library management, uh, your planning of maintenance work packages. Um, interestingly enough, what what uh, this new reality might bring as an additional argument is that by further applying robotic process automation, 
um, we could get to the point where uh, a lot of this uh, manual handover of documents and information that still happens a lot within maintenance engineering is, is being removed from the process and, and um, obviously from hygienic viewpoints could have an additional benefit. So, um, Sander, if I were to ask you to explain to me, you know, in a short sentence, is it what is robotic process automation? What, how would you describe that? Yeah, very simply put, it's basically um, a software that mimics user or human user actions um, on, on your computer. Um, so uh, let's say you're sitting by your computer, um, you're working with a particular software. Uh, RPA or robotic process automation is capable of completely mimicking whatever you are able to do as, as a human user. Uh, including uh, including uh, decision-making logic uh, up to a certain extent. So in, in what kind of scenarios or what kind of business problems have you solved, you know, through the application of RPA? Yeah, um, well, I mean, the first area where we started in uh, when it came to RPA was the uh, was airline maintenance planning. Um, so uh, a process where uh, for, uh, for a vast amount of aircraft, uh, maintenance planning activities needed to be done um, that constitute a series of activities, a series of checks and balances that need to be, that need to be uh, verified um, and ultimately result in, uh, in a set of maintenance tasks that need to be performed on aircraft. Um, and then that process was completely automated by, uh, by our RPA, by our software robots from the point of determining which particular maintenance actions need to be performed on an aircraft at a certain point in time to, to the point of those, those tasks actually being able to be performed by engineers with the materials that they need and tools that they need, et cetera. And that is just one example. So what kind of a business impact, what were the results of that? I mean, uh, did, it, did it make a difference or not? Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, ultimately, if, if you look at the bottom line effects from that, um, prior to that software robot or that virtual employee, uh, employee as we sometimes call it, um, arrived in the team, um, you had a, a planning team of uh, four or five different uh, planners that basically had a daily task in in preparing all these uh, all these uh, all these things. Um, once the software robot came in. Um, it could basically take care of, of all those activities. And so at that point, uh, directly freeing up those four or five different maintenance planners um, to directly focus on, on the more value add activities. Um, and this is also one of the bigger ads that uh, bigger uh, advantages that we see from RPA. I mean, obviously it's quite easy to, to make that headcount calculation, right? Saying, okay, if it can save four or five different uh, planners, that is X amount bottom line cost savings. Um, however, what we've actually noticed over several different years of implementing those RPAs is that the bigger value add for, for airlines actually exists in freeing up their human capital, if you will, their, uh, their human resource workforce um, for more value add driven work rather than the mundane daily repetitive stuff that, uh, that they have. Wow, Sandra, that is just really cool. Uh, you know, I think that's such a novel concept and just really cool at it. And it addresses so many things, you know, efficiency, compliance or mistakes, if you will, uh, you know, not, not as much touch labor, just, man, that's just fantastic. Yeah, I think it has some really tremendous. Yeah, I mean, 
Well, has some really tremendous opportunities. I mean, you know, if, if we were just to brainstorm for a second here amongst us, is it what other places is there opportunities to apply RPA kind of, you know, concepts? Um, well, one of the areas that's um, in, I would say, in the short term that we are uh, actively, uh, well, not just looking into, but where we see a huge uh, appliance is um, in, in consolidation of aircraft data and aircraft records um, and the automated validation of that. Um, I mean, it's, um, although it's it's a sad consequence of it, it's inevitable that uh, that, that some aircraft will uh, will need to be retired or will need to be phased out prior to uh, to their original schedules. And that activity comes with uh, with certain responsibilities on the airline in terms of aircraft records consolidation and, and, and making sure that the aircraft is returned to to a lessor according to to agreements. Um, well, this is a perfect opportunity, or this is the perfect process for, for RPA, basically, um, in order to, to fully automate that records consolidation and that validation, basically. And this is just one of the areas. And, and if you look at the further back office processes within an airline, um, think about uh, technical library management, think about uh, logistics processes even. I mean, the, the simple of purchase orders or repairs orders. All those different activities, they, they would all be uh, ideal candidates for, for RPA. You know, that records management one is a really good one, man. And Elise Return, uh, you guys uh, know this, but, uh, you know, you lose one repair record and you have to go and take that repair off and redo it and recertify it. Man, that's a lot of money. And you can close that business case really yeah. quickly by having some good records management. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there there's some figures out there uh, uh, already post uh, or pre-COVID um, that that show us that an, on an average return of an aircraft, uh, an airline is faced with a bill of close to three hundred fifty thousand US dollars. And yeah. I mean, just driving that figure down already by uh, by twenty thirty percent is a huge sum. And whereas we actually know that RPA, uh, the way how we apply it, can even drive that figure down significantly more. And it also probably can impact getting these airplanes that are parked in the desert back in service a little bit quicker. Yeah, yeah. Uh, of, of course, RPA can't turn the wrench, right? So <laughs> I mean, the actual maintenance activities on the airplane will still need to be done by, by human engineers. But a lot, a lot of the preparation that goes before that, um, yeah, is something that RPA is, is more than able to, to, to take care of. Yeah. Wait a minute, Mark. I thought you showed a graphic that had a robot with a wrench in her hand. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> maybe maybe that'll maybe that'll be next, you know? Yeah, right. <laughs> well, it looks like you're applying this RPA to a lot of different areas. And you know, and I think that many times people don't quite really understand what that means. And so that's why I wanted to spend a little bit of time with a conversation on it. And um, you know, so that's an area you've been successful in in uh, moving your company out. That's really great. Um yeah, I have a couple other questions. I know that you've done some data and analytics work in your company as well. What are you doing in that area? Yeah, um, well, uh, several different things. Um, we've basically built up our uh, our out of the box analytics environment, uh, specifically catered to to airline maintenance engineering. Um, so we're looking into uh, into reliability management, so aircraft fleet fleet reliability. Um, we're doing some things around uh, component failure prediction and, and try uh, and, and some organizational KPIs like logistics, engineering, engineering and maintenance KPIs, uh, engine health monitoring, and those kind of things. Okay, and and so when we're all looking for efficiencies that exist out there today, 
you know, that's definitely going to be a way to do a better job of managing our workforces is uh, to also be focusing on, you know, better analytics, you know, better optimization of our workforce and, uh, you know, predictability with uh, maintenance and, and all the things that go around with data and analytics. Are you finding that to be a growing field for you as well? Uh, yeah, uh, it, it's definitely a growing field. I mean, it, it, it all ties back to um, providing airlines with with tools, knowledge, and expertise to to drive value from from their data, and, and whether that is the data itself or the underlying processes that produce that data. And there's just a vast amount of, uh, of value that can still be driven from from that. And analytics perfectly fits in that uh, because I mean that that gives you insights in uh, in, in how your organization is performing. Where you have uh, where you have optimization potentials, it gives you insights in your in your aircraft reliability, in your fleet reliability, which can even tie into uh, into fleet decisions, right? I mean, which aircraft should I keep in my fleet? Which aircraft is technically a better candidate to uh, to be uh, be phased out from my fleet? So all of these um, all of these business decisions um, can be supported uh, with, uh, with 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 analytics with uh, with with other digital solutions yeah you know um uh, you you mentioned making decisions about which aircraft to keep you know we're seeing a lot of aircraft on the ground right now and we've heard a lot of discussion about some of those aircraft will never fly again um or they won't go back and fly within that same fleet and you know we all know that the majority of aircraft out there today are leased and so we would expect that there would be additional lease returns that would of course that are already resulting from this. Um, I understand that you may have some ideas and solutions around supporting lease returns and to be able to optimize, you know, or minimize cost or around that. Is there some thoughts you have around how you support lease return activity? Yeah, and, and that's that, that ties into RPA again as well. It's, it's basically a follow-on from uh, from that RPA capability because it's it's one thing to automatically consolidate and, and validate all the different uh, aircraft data and, and aircraft records. Um, but once you get to the point of the actual uh, redelivery uh, re of the aircraft, you need to think of things like the aircraft redelivery. I think we're losing the feed on yeah. Sandra a little bit. Looks like we might be losing Sandra a little bit. Must be too far away. <laughs> okay, let's uh, let's um, let's have a, a bit of a discussion here about what people can do um, in the process. We might be losing his uh, his feed there, but so um, one of the things that uh, we try to do as part of this conversation. Let's see, Sandra, yeah. do we have? Oh, there you go. Yeah. Oh, great. Yeah, yeah. Looks like we had a little bit of a of an internet glitch there, but um, so uh, you know, I wanted to shift this conversation to really some practical things about what people can do. You know, we've talked about business factors in the market. We've talked about your business and what you're doing to help people. You know, if let's talk about this a little bit. Is is it? You know, what do we recommend that businesses do? And you know, how can we help people and employees and and help businesses to recover faster? I mean, what are some thoughts? You know that that we have guys about uh, about some of these RPAs and supporting of lease returns and data analytics, you know, what can people on a, on a, on a direct level do to be able to help their businesses to move faster with some of these thoughts and ideas? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, 
to be honest, I mean, I mean, people working in aviation, and, and I'm probably sure that, that you guys can can testify to that as well. I mean, once airlines will need to start uh, putting their aircraft back into service, everybody will will put in their their best effort and and work overtime and 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 do everything you can up and running again. And um, I think it's more about the situation after that and where the airline returns back to being a, uh, a business and a company at the end of the day and it will need to look at its bottom line profitability and, and that will drive uh, uh, thoughts, discussions and, and initiatives where, um, where companies will look into digital technology to, uh, to, to drive down their operational expenditure um, in order to, to remain, uh, to remain uh, profitable. You know, Sandra, I was thinking, think, kind of thinking that the same thing is is uh, the airlines that adopt uh, digital technology today, kind of in this downtime. You know, I, I realize there's a lot of financial concerns, but the airlines that takes this opportunity to embrace some of the tools and processes that we talk that we're talking about every you know uh, every Wednesday and Friday are going to be able not only to get the airplanes back in service quicker, but once the airplanes are in service, they're going to have the tools and processes to be more efficient. Yeah, we are we are definitely driven to be you know more digitally oriented. We definitely are going to have to operate more efficiently, and uh, so you know digital transformation is 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 definitely part of the process moving us forward. You know, you guys both know that there's so much paper that's being used in the industry today, and uh, you know we're just we're just going to be have to be going away from that, and it has to be more than just. Uh, you know, uh, scanning of paper and, and putting them into records and things like that. It really has to be more intelligent processes. And so the things that you're doing, Sandra, are around, you know, data and analytics and, and supporting of lease returns, but mostly, you know, the discussion we had around um, RPAs about robotic process automations, you know, is really intriguing because we need to find creative, new, innovative ways um, to be able to adopt to the circumstances around us. And definitely, you know, reducing cost and creating efficiency and freeing up resources to be able to work on higher value things, you know, is so important. And it's really amazing to see what you guys have done, you know, in that space. Hey, um, as we uh, as we start to, you know, sort of move toward the end of this uh, broadcast here today, I wanted to, Larry, give you a chance to say, um, you know, what are your overall thoughts about uh, the things that Sondra has brought to us today? How do you think that fits into your view of, of digital transformation in the future? Well, I just think some of the automation stuff that he's talked about was it's just really just amazing. It's just really cool to to think about the, you know, all the efficiencies that brings and the and again I keep saying the compliance piece of it because there are mistakes that are made and I just think uh, that's just really exciting. A really exciting concept that frankly I had never thought about or heard about until, you know, Sandra when we talked uh, two or three days ago. Yeah, yeah. Well, oh, yeah. Yeah, well, Sandra, if I could, if I could come back to you, let me give you the last word here. Is that, uh, you know, um, uh, you know, as far as RPAs are concerned, you know, you're obviously very passionate about that. That's been an important part of your business. What do you want to tell people about RPAs and why they're an important part of their future? Um, I, I guess the, the the one thing um, that I would want to bring across is that um, RPA is not necessarily a replacement of, uh, of, uh, of employees, of human employees, but it's there to, to augment us in terms of freeing us from, from some of the repetitive and mundane uh, stuff that we sometimes need to do. And, and in, uh, in 
some cases, a lot of uh, mundane and repetitive work that we need to do. So free us up from that, so that uh, we as, as humans with, with our intelligence and our, and our can focus on the more uh, higher value add work that can, that can drive uh, uh, success for airlines. Yeah, well, good. Well, we're definitely going to need that going forward in the, the new efficiencies that we'll need, you know, to, to operate um, in what we're calling the new normal. Hey, um, Sandra, if someone wants to reach out and get in touch with you, what's the best way to uh, to get in touch with you in the future for them? Yeah, I guess the easiest is to just drop an email at hello at exxon.com. And, and through that, it will end up in, in my inbox at some point in time. Okay, well, that's definitely welcoming. Hello. Yeah, good. Um, so hello at exxon.com. Um, that's outstanding. And uh, uh, Sonder is also on LinkedIn. So if you want to reach out to him on LinkedIn, he's available on LinkedIn. And uh, Larry and I can also be reached at any time um, on LinkedIn. And uh, quite frankly, if you go to Google and if you type in hashtag digital aircraft, you'll find all of the things that we do and how to get in touch with us here at Digital Aircraft. So um, uh, I want to give a call to action of all of our leaders in aviation. You know, I want to invite you to join in with our shared enthusiasm and our message of recovery and be part of recovery in aviation. And I want to um, thank everybody for watching today and for being part of our broadcast. Larry and Sonder, um, thank you for, for uh, giving us such good information today. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Mark. Thanks, Sonder. Sonder, thanks, thanks, Mark. For, yeah, thanks for having me. That's good. So uh, let's just sign off by saying fair winds and following seas to you. And I'll have a, have a great day. And we'll see you on Friday at nine o'clock where we'll have another live broadcast. Have a great day. Bye. Hey, wait, don't go away yet. We have a lot more interesting information to come. Hey, I really appreciate you watching this broadcast, but in order for us to continue to bring this to you free, we have sponsors. I'd really appreciate it if you would just listen to our sponsor and then we'll get right back to the podcast. Thanks. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Digital Aircraft Secrets podcast. Digital Aircraft exists to promote safe and efficient worldwide air transport. Aviation connects the world. Aviation connects us as people. Join the conversation on LinkedIn, YouTube, and Facebook at hashtag digital aircraft. Let's help the aviation industry be a thriving place for all of us to reach our dreams.